grace, mercy, and peace are yours through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. As I mentioned already, this week we'll start a short series on the Old Testament prophet Habakkuk. Uh, We read from a portion of Habakkuk already this morning, both as the Old Testament reading and maybe you saw it, it was quoted in the New Testament reading. But to start off this message series, we're going to look at the gospel appointed for this 19th Sunday after Pentecost. That's the first eight verses of Luke 18. Let's stand to hear those words from the gospel. Luke 18, verse 1. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with the plea, Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually come and attack me. And the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones, who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? That's the Gospel of the Lord. Uh, You may be seated. These last few chapters of Luke feature many parables. There are straightforward ones, the prodigal son, the lost coin. We also have some odd ones. There's the dishonest manager who wasted his master's money, but whose shrewdness we're told to emulate. There's the parable in chapter 17 we heard two weeks ago, which compares us and God to a hard-working servant and his unkind, demanding master. With each of these stories, Jesus wants to make a particular point. And we carefully don't read more into those stories than Jesus intends. He tells us what the point of comparison is, and we stay there. In this story, which some Bibles call the parable of the persistent widow, others the parable of the unjust judge, whatever name it's given, here's Jesus' point, and if you want to fill in your sermon notes this morning in the bulletin, this is the first one. If an evil man will eventually answer the pleas of someone who bothers him enough, won't our gracious God answer his children's prayers? That's the simple, beautiful point of the story. This could be a really short sermon, right? There's nothing I can say that adds to what Jesus says in the story. And the story doesn't really need an explanation, does it? But it's the last half of verse 8 that needs some explanation. Here are those words again. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? It's a weird way to end the story, isn't it? Jesus wants his hearers to come away from this story with confidence in God's promise to hear them. He wants them to be assured of God's love for them, concern for them, care for them. But he ends with something that almost sounds like a threat. Jesus ends his story this way because he's running headfirst at something that his followers then and now need to understand. This is the second of your sermon notes. It's where the title for our message series comes from. On this side of eternity... The world is a mess. The world we live in does not look like a place where God is in control and is actively answering his children's prayers. It doesn't. Let me use our New Testament reading as an example. Hebrews was a book written to Christians who had faced and would face persecution for their faith. The writer starts by reminding them of when they first came to believe in Jesus. Verse 32, remember those earlier days after you had received the light. Remember when you received this beautiful gift, this light for your life, this gospel message that declared to you how much God loved you, this message that gave you comfort when you looked at your sinful lives. 
what happened next? It wasn't what we'd expect. Right? When somebody when God brings someone into his family, what would make sense to see happen in their lives? Well, if the world's richest person, Elon Musk, Jeff Bezos, adopted you, wouldn't you expect to be flown on a private jet to a fabulous mansion? You'd expect an extravagant celebration, a wardrobe full of new designer clothes, a new phone with socialites and trendsetters on speed dial, but when those Christians to whom Hebrews was written received the light of the gospel... None of that came along with it. Verse 33 instead. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times, you stood side by side with those who were so treated. You suffered along with those in prison. Yeah, no private jets to fabulous mansions there. Beatings and jail are what those new Christians received. Here's sermon note number three. When the God who made the world welcomed new believers into his family... The world which he had made became their worst enemy. We give thanks to God that we don't endure suffering like those early Christians for our confession of faith. Yet there are still Christians all over the world who are being persecuted. Churches bulldozed, worshippers attacked and arrested. And we can gather here openly with no fear of being shut down. We give thanks to God for that. But that cultural apathy toward our message can still challenge our faith. We share the gospel, and rather than violence, we're met with shrugs or eye rolls. If this message is really a brilliant light from God Most High, the creator of heaven and earth, why does it sometimes seem as effective as a cheap keychain flashlight? These are questions that we understandably want to ask. Why aren't churches full to God's glory on Sunday mornings? How can so many reject his powerful word? Why aren't his children given the earthly honor that should accompany our status as sons and daughters of the king? God, it's a mess down here. Here's sermon note number four. God is not like the unjust judge in the parable, but sometimes it seems like he is. It seems like he's deaf to our pleas. It seems like he's slow to act, maybe even reluctant. It does not always seem like he cares. That's the theme of the book of Habakkuk. It's that theme which bridges our reading, our gospel reading this morning, and the next three weeks' messages as we'll work through Habakkuk itself. Listen to the prophet's words from our Old Testament reading. This is verse 13 of that reading. Lord, your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you so silent? Here's sermon note number five. Faith badgers God in adversity. Habakkuk's words sound arrogant, right? How can he think that he gets to ask questions of God like this, so blunt, so challenging of God? How can a mere human square up to God so aggressively? How much higher his thoughts than our thoughts, his ways than our ways, the scripture tells us. We have even less standing before him than the widow did before the judge. But there's an important difference between us and the widow of the story. This is your last sermon note. Jesus calls us God's chosen ones. We are not widows. We are the bride of Christ. Take the story Jesus tells, but rather than a widow, put the judge's daughter-in-law before the court. Put her husband, the judge's son, 
at her side. How long will it take the judge to answer their petition? He's moving slowly if they even have to open their mouths. Brothers and sisters, that is how you stand before God. Not alone, like the widow, but with Christ at your side. Christ lobbies on your behalf. He is ready to pursue your interests and ensure you are cared for. This is how God describes the care Jesus has for you as one of his people, Ephesians 5. Christ loves the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. A husband ought to love his wife as his own body, for no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. Jesus is to the church the perfect provider and protector. He attends to everything we need. When we make our requests to the Father, Jesus lends his voice to our petitions. And the Father is no uncaring judge. No, God cares about you. He chose you. He wanted to have a relationship with you. He has done everything necessary to bring about that relationship. He, in fact, has brought about that relationship with you through the work of his Son. So when we see that this world is a mess, when we see that our lives are often messes, we take this promise with us into those messes. Jesus says, Will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones, for the bride of his beloved son? I tell you, he will see that they get justice, and quickly. And Jesus would know, wouldn't he? Jesus would know that God brings about justice for his chosen ones. At the end of this chapter of Luke, he's going to tell his disciples again about his coming death. God's own son will be betrayed by a friend, unjustly condemned, brutally executed, buried in a tomb. His justice and his vindication will not come right away, but it will come quickly. Three days. Three days he spends in the tomb, three days of sorrow and fear for his friends, yes, but just three days. God will see that his chosen ones get justice and quickly. Jesus wraps up his story and then he asks that question about faith. Let's hear again from Hebrews what faith is. It's confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Jesus asks, will I find that here on earth when I return? In faith, we can ask blunt why questions like Habakkuk. We approach God, we ask him hard questions in faith, we plead with him to act in our lives and in the lives of others, but we don't build our faith on God showing us why. We don't build our faith in God on specific answers from God to our problems. One story to illustrate what I mean. I talked to a young man once who told me he was losing his faith because he'd run into some serious issues paying for college. We sat for a while. I asked him about the situation. I empathized with him. But when we talked about faith, when we got around to that point again, I told him this. If this situation is causing you to lose your faith, consider where your faith has been placed. Is your faith in God's love placed in your life? and in the things that happen to you? Or is your faith in God's love placed in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? If we place our faith in God's love, in the circumstances of our own lives, we will lose it when circumstances change. Such faith 
will not be found by Christ when he returns because such faith isn't really faith. But the faith that is truly faith in God trusts that he loves us, not because of what we see in our own lives, but because his son Jesus was given to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification. Ask God your hard why questions, friends. Go to him in prayer and petition, but understand that he just doesn't give us answers to all the questions we ask. In Habakkuk, God is going to reveal some of those whys to us. And let's look forward to thinking about these things, thinking about these answers that God does reveal about the way he works in the world. But this week, let's wrap up with these words, Habakkuk 2, verse 4. See, the enemy is puffed up. His desires are not upright. The enemy, that is the sinful nature with which we struggle daily. puffed up with arrogant pride. Our sinful nature's desires are not upright. They are self-serving. But the righteous person will live by faith. You, God's righteous ones, are directed to live your lives in faith. Trust in his promises. Go to him in prayer. That's an instruction for you, but it's also a promise. You will live by faith. A promise. God will bring it about. God will work faith for each day in your heart through his Holy Spirit by the gospel of Christ. You will live by faith through and in Christ every day in this messy world until faith is no longer needed and you receive your reward. God grant it for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of Man and our Savior. Amen.